Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Ryan Lashane and Derek Brown from Riel coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. He is a passionate advocate for the Houston food scene. Matt Harris, welcome back to the show. How are you? Doing well, Daddy. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, big news. Chris Shepard has left his role as a co-owner of Underbelly Hospitality. He will be focusing on the Southern Smoke Foundation, the nonprofit that he started to provide emergency financial assistance to restaurant workers in crisis. Uh, Matt, I, you know, I think there's a lot of different directions to sort of talk about what this means. I mean, certainly, you know, Chris Shepard has been a, just a huge figure on the Houston culinary scene, you know, going back to 2012 when he opened Underbelly. Uh, and even before that, in the late 2000s, when he was the executive chef at Catalan, which was this kind of eclectic, you know, nominally, uh, nominally Spanish, but, but really wasn't, you know, restaurant that arguably for a little bit was maybe the best restaurant in Houston. And even before that, he was at Brennan's for a long time, uh, both in the kitchen and as a sommelier. So, you know, he was the first Houston chef to win a James Beard Award since Robert Del Grande. And, and he's been kind of the face of our culinary scene for the last 10 years. So, you know, I think there's, like I said, I think there's a lot of directions we can go with this topic, but maybe just kind of start at the beginning. What was your initial reaction to the news? Uh, I mean, I think that's all fair, Daddy. Um, Chris is, has uh, strong roots and is a big personality and um, very identifiable with the Underbelly Hospitality brand. I would say probably less surprised when it came out. This had been some some curious signs leading up to the actual announcement. Well, yeah, if anyone who was paying attention would have noticed that he had not posted on his social media feed anything about Georgia James, the steakhouse that his company opened, you know, the relocated Georgia James. So clearly there was some, some sense that something was up. Something behind the scenes. That's right. So, uh, I mean, it, it's certainly big news. I, I think in, in terms of a, a breakup, I, I, um, I, I can't think of a bigger impact there uh, on a more acute level, I can think of one or two that were really identifiable with a brand. Um, but uh, Underbelly Hospitality is is an OG in the Houston dining scene. No, a- absolutely. So knowing that Chris has been so closely tied personally to these restaurants, you know, Georgia James, Wild Oats, GJ Tavern, and then uh, Underbelly Burger and, and coming Next year, I think Pastore, an Italian restaurant. What do you sort of think about the, the future for that company without Chris there? Uh, I'd say, you know, it's a little TBD, to be honest. He, he's been out of the kitchen for a while, but uh, feel like the risks are similar uh, with or without him. There's certainly, it, it will certainly be different with without him, but you know, restaurant industry as a whole still dealing with the pandemic. There's, as you just alluded to, a fair amount of change in the 
underbelly hospitality group, you know, expansion, not just expansion, uh, moving into, you know, previous concepts, moving into new locations along with expansion. Uh, it's a lot. So those, uh, those are all going to have to be navigated. And, and now he uh, will be navigated without him. No, I, I think that's right. And, and you sort of alluded to the fact that, you know, yes, they've opened a bunch of new restaurants in the last year. Uh, they've also closed a bunch of new restaurants, right? UB Preserve is gone. Uh, one fifth was always a five-year project, but that's come to an end. And of course they relocated from the original underbelly location, 1100 Westheimer to Georgia James's new home in the region square mixed use development. And that also meant closing Hay Merchant, which, you know, a lot of people really liked. So it's been a, it's been a topsy-turvy kind of time. I, I will say I, I have some, you know, I have some confidence in their ability to weather this. I think, you know, over the last couple of years, they've built a really strong team. Uh, you know, Nick Fine is culinary director. He kind of created the, the concept for Wild Oats, the lead on that. He's been, uh, he's been on the show before. Uh, their operations director, Nina Quincy, who you, uh, who you met when we dined at George James recently, has a, a strong background in, uh, in Las Vegas with multiple concepts. So I think, uh, you know, I, I think there's, there's a core of, lead, and then obviously each individual restaurant has its own, you know, executive chef, general manager, whatever, that are kind of keeping an eye on the day-to-day operations. I, 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 do, I do wonder a little bit about, you know, the extent to which knowing that it, you know, Georgia James is Chris Shepard's Steakhouse, the extent to which that's a draw. But then again, I, I also think about, you know, who's the chef at, at Pappas Brothers or, you know, B&B Butchers or any of these other uh, upscale steakhouses. It's, you know, that's not, that's not really their identity, right? Georgia James will still be known for, you know, serving Texas beef and cooking it on cast iron and having these, you know, eclectic sides that kind of follow the underbelly ethos of taking some inspiration from the Houston immigrant culinary tradition. So I, I think it's still with or without Chris Shepard, I think it still can distinguish itself, but I don't know. Do you have another thought on that uh, topic? Uh, it may sound a, a little out there, but in some ways I think Chris is, is more the face of Southern smoke than he is underbelly hospitality group. No, I, I think that's a good, that's a good way to uh, anticipate my next question and transition into kind of what is next for Chris Shepard? Because as you said, he has become the face of the Southern Smoke Foundation and the Southern Smoke Foundation really gained prominence over the last couple of years, obviously, as the restaurant industry struggled uh, and restaurant employees struggled, you know, with layoffs and shutdowns and all of these uh, various challenges associated with the pandemic, you know, they've been there, you know, they've, they've granted almost $10 million to people uh, since the organization started, you know, they were the recipient of a million dollar donation from, David Chang, winning one who wants to be a millionaire. So, you know, they're, they're prominently featured at some of these national food festivals. I know Aspen food and wine, for example, uh, had a component devoted to Southern smoke. So, so yeah. And, and of course the, the Southern smoke festival is coming back for an in-person event for the first time since 2019. So that's all, that's all very exciting for, for Chris and and the whole Southern smoke team. Uh, And Houston. You know, I think the the visibility and the recognition it brings to Houston is is uh, 
about as big on the national stage as, as there is. And at the end of the day, hopefully, Underbelly Hospitality Group find success going forward. Chris and Southern Smoke continue their success going forward and all is well with the world. Yeah. And I, I do think, I, I, I mean, obviously I, I hope that for everyone involved, right? We don't, we don't want to root against anybody's success or, or even really predict it. I think, you know, these, these, uh, this will all play out over time, but, you know, I was, I was talking to another mutual friend of ours who said, look, you know, if, if Roy Schwarzapel can leave common bond and common bond can be okay. And, and obviously Roy started his uh, Panettone business. That's been just very successful. You know, that, that, you know, hopefully we see that kind of mutual trajectory for, for both Chris and for underbelly hospitality, right? They, they go on and do their own thing. They continue to grow and prosper. And Chris finds a second act, you know, with the Southern smoke foundation. I don't know if he's planning on, opening another restaurant or not, but, but, you know, the immediate, his immediate future, I think is tied to the, to the foundation. Yes. Well, we'll have to have a conversation about uh, mutual friends. I, I wasn't, I'm not sure that we have any mutual friends, daddy, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Roy was certainly the person I had in mind that so closely aligned with, with another brand. And they've gone on to uh, I think both find success and, I'm a glass half full guy by nature. Uh, so, you know, uh, wish, wish both of them uh, nothing but continued success. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to topic number two. Good Company has confirmed that they are bringing their Tex-Mets concept, Good Company Kitchen and Cantina, to the former downhouse space in the Heights. Uh, let me just kind of start at the beginning. Have you been to Kitchen and Cantina and and if so, kind of how do you how do you view it compared to other uh, upscale Tex-Mex restaurants? I have not been to Kitchen and Cantina. I uh, have perused the menu. It, it certainly grabs my interest. I did not see any prices online, so that that's always a question to be answered. But uh, I don't know that I'm breaking new ground here. Um, you know, for this guy, it, it's, it's candente, candente, and candente. But as far as the heights goes, you know, the location is, that's a pretty good location, uh, has decent parking, has a feel of sort of sliding in. I'm a big Alma Latina fan, uh, which is sort of old school Tex-Mex, the, the kind I grew up with here in Houston, just right up Shepherd near 24th, near the H-E-B. And then, uh, and Chivos, you know, a little higher end, elevated uh, Mexican food that uh, Thomas B.A. is doing. And I am also a huge fan. Yeah, I guess I, I, I guess for me, I, my, my first thought was sort of Superica, uh, you know, the Ford Fries Tex-Mex restaurant that's uh, right there with La Lucha at 18th and Shepherd. Uh, this is 18th and Yale. That's been, Pretty popular. I happened to be at La Lucha last week. I noticed how crowded uh, both restaurants were, but especially Superica. And so that leads me to think that, you know, there's certainly a market for, you know, this kind of elevated, little, you know, a little more expensive than a place like Alma Latina, obviously, but also a little more, a little more refined in terms of the, you know, the cocktail offerings and the, the proteins that are used and all of that stuff. So 
and, and I will say I've been to Kitchen and Cantina a couple of times, both uh, in Memorial and in the Woodlands, and, and I've really enjoyed it. I think it's uh, I think it's compelling. I think it's well executed. You know, I grew up kind of going to uh, Good Company Taqueria. So this is certainly a cuisine that that Good Company knows well and can execute at a, at a high level. And, and I think for those reasons, I think it will be uh, very well received in the Heights. No, I, to your point, I've always enjoyed my experiences at Super Rica. I find myself at La Lucha uh, for whatever reason. Uh, maybe it's the griddle cakes. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it'll be, I mean, the Heights has, has shown no sign of slowing down. So I, I think there's room. Uh, obviously, they still have to deliver on the plate, but uh, they have a track record uh, in, in several concepts. So I think signs point to uh, uh, another another win for the uh, Heights community. Right. I mean, you you mentioned, you know, the Heights, there's no signs of slowing down. I mean, just think about, you know, in the last uh, six months or, or a year, you know, 11th Street welcomed Loro. Treacheria, Sophia, and Chivos, you know, all within basically a couple of blocks of each other. And all three are busy and all three are, are doing pretty well from what I can tell and, and are well-regarded. And so, you know, every time someone says, oh, you know, the heights is saturated, the heights is this, the heights is that, you know, there's, there's really no evidence of that. And, and so I think, you know, Good Company is a very established hospitality brand in Houston. I think they'll be welcomed in the heights. And uh, I look forward to going to Kitchen and Cantina uh, whenever it opens. They haven't, they haven't confirmed an opening timeline, but they have started the hiring process. So hopefully that's a good sign that we'll be eating there sooner than later. Well, and you, and you can bookmark this, Daddy. There will be even bigger news in 2023 for the Heights. All right. Good to know. All right. Let us move on to topic number three. The Blossom Hotel and the Texas Medical Center has changed its dining plan slightly. They announced they had an announcement last year uh, that they were going to be working with two chefs, Hochi Boone and uh, Akira Back, and Chef Akira no longer involved, but uh, Chef Hochi Boone is kind of going to oversee the entire culinary operations for the hotel, restaurants, in-room dining, banquets and catering, the whole shebang. And so they have a, a comprehensive plan, a, a rooftop bar, a tasty menu, venue, uh, a Japanese restaurant, and Duck by Boone, a Cantonese restaurant similar to the chef's uh, Empress by Boone in San Francisco. To the extent that Ho Chi Boone's name sounds familiar, it is because he was with uh, the Hakkasan group. He was the supervised Yawacha when that opened here in Houston, he was the, uh, the corporate executive chef who, who got that restaurant off the ground. Matt, I sell that to say to you, what do you think about the prospect of destination dining at a hotel in the Texas medical center? I mean, the first, first thought is, I mean, that's some serious CV coming to the med center. I, I am not sure. Uh, about the med center is, is sort of a destination dining spot. I'm curious just because of the names. I enjoyed Yacha uh, when it was here in Houston. And so uh, will I go? I think, yes, absolutely. Uh, how often I will go is a different question. Yeah, I, 
I mean, I sort of share that. I, I, you know, of all of them, well, I, I should also say there's this uh, dessert bar with uh, Rory McDonald, who worked for Gordon Ramsay in London and has a, a patisserie in, in New York that looks, I mean, I, I skimmed his Instagram. The, the pictures look really great. I, I, can't, uh, I can't offer an opinion on what they taste like, but they look nice. But, you know, certainly uh, it's not that they're, it's not that there aren't any place or isn't any place to get a good quality Peking duck in Houston. Certainly there are, you know, we've talked about uh, bamboo house a long time ago and there are uh, other places in, in Houston that are well known for it, but this is one of those kind of more the merrier things. Uh, it's a dish I enjoy. It's a dish I would like to eat more often. I know it requires a little bit of planning requires a little bit of a, a group, but uh, of all of the things that are sort of coming that's the one that's the most exciting to me. And, you know, certainly we have more sort of regional, traditional Chinese food inside the loop, uh, in addition to, to all the kind of classic Chinese American mainstays. But, but you know, obviously the, the majority of those kind of restaurants are still either on Bel Air or, or increasingly in Katy. And so, you know, the more inside the loop, the merrier, as far as I'm concerned. I think that's fair. All right. Then I'm going to say that does it for the News of the Week. We'll be right back with our Restaurants of the Week. Stick around. Matt, for our Restaurants of the Week, I want to talk to you about Eculent. This is Chef David Skinner's tasting menu restaurant. In Kima, uh, Felice Sloan and I talked last week about the Preserve at Eculent, a new restaurant that Chef Skinner is opening in partnership with the chef and owner of Street to Kitchen, Benchawan Painter. But I, I did want to talk about our meal at Eculent just because it had been several years since I had been, and it's a very different experience now than it was back then. And so I, I just thought I'd throw it to you. What did you think of... Uh, what did you think of our dinner at Eculent? Uh, it was my first visit. So uh, I'm not sure what the design changes were, but, but I thought they were successful. I like the space and the feel a lot. Uh, I think David is a great host. I thought at times the food was a little too whimsical, but uh, I appreciate the ambition. And uh, I, I think the highs were really high, though. Several of those savory courses really stood out, uh, as well as that that mushroom forage salad uh, was was outstanding. Yeah, I, I think you know I think anytime you you go to a a tasting experience where there's close to thirty bites, obviously some are gonna some are gonna resonate a little more than others. Maybe maybe talk a little bit about that mushroom salad because because I do think that was one of maybe the two or three favorites of the night for me. Yeah, I want to say there were, were seven, seven, easy for you to say, Daddy, seven uh, different types of mushrooms uh, presented on kind of a large platter with, uh, with some greens and a light dressing. And uh, it just, it, it was very mushroom forward. It really showcased the mushrooms. Uh, and as a mushroom fan, it really stuck with me. As you said, there were 30 ish courses and uh that was 
I think the largest presentation of the evening. And I just found myself, I kept going back to it. I, I, I want to say, and several times after I said, okay, this is the last bite. Uh, ah, one more. That's it. No. Right. And it, and it arrives in this uh, cloak that's filled with smoke. And so, you know, they lift the top off and the smoke dissipates and you're, you're presented with this kind of forest floor looking array of, of greens and, and mushrooms. And, and it sort of rewards digging through and, and literally kind of hunting to find all the individual components, um, uh, including escargot, which I thought were, were nicely cooked. And there was also play on textural components too, which I thought really added to the dish. And, and those greens were, were dried a little bit. Uh, it just was really, uh, really successful. I, I, again, it, it's not often when I say that's my last bite that I go back and I went back several times. Yeah, I think a couple other highlights, uh, that picnic basket, you know, that's kind of been an eculent staple with the flavors of a Caesar salad on one lettuce leaf, you know, the BLT, kind of the molecular presentation where it's in what looks like a little cherry tomato, and then the spherical French onion soup. I thought I thought all of that was really fun. And then, you know, the entree, I thought the, the duck breast was really nicely cooked, well-rendered. Uh, very flavorful, and he's getting the ducks uh, locally. He's he's getting Texas duck, which I don't know of very many many restaurants that are doing that. So I, you know, I think as as David has kind of come into his own as a chef, he's sort of, you know, obviously there's there's always going to be a certain amount of global perspective in a really uh, eclectic menu like that, but but that he's balanced that with some uh, some local protein and produce. I think that's uh, that's all to the good. And I, I believe the same for the rabbit, uh, which was another savory course that uh, I think we both really enjoyed. He's he's having both uh, rabbits and the ducks raised uh, specifically for for his restaurant. So, you know, I, you know, the thing about these kind of uh, conceptual tasting menus is, you know, you sort of have the experience once, but so maybe not. Would you go back? But would you recommend it uh, to someone who asks you about it? Who says, you know, should I? Should I have this experience? If that's the type of experience that you're looking for, it, I don't think that uh, there are, are too many experiences like that in Houston. You absolutely should. I, I am pretty sure I will find myself back there uh, when uh, uh, when Graham and Chef G and David open up their uh, their new concept. But uh, it was a great evening, and you know the company was 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 uh, above average. And um, uh, I, I'm not a drinker, but I, I feel like that they put some thought into their beverages as well and, and, and kind of a, a complete evening. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I thought the, the service was, was warm and hospitable. I thought that, you know, as you said, David is an excellent host. He talks you through all of these courses and, you know, they, they kind of make a presentation to the bread about, you know, as, as they kind of move from the, the sort of small bites in the beginning to the, the heartier entrees. And yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a very thoughtful experience, I'd say. Yes. All right. And then just briefly, I, I did want to note that you were maybe the primary organizer of the recent taco takeover at Totemo, Alex Bremont, formerly of Pujol in Mexico City, came to Houston for 
two nights sold out big lines a lot of uh really interesting food so just maybe from your perspective just what was it like kind of being behind the scenes for something like that so i mean i may not be the the best person to ask or or maybe i am the best person to ask as a huge fan of of mexico and mexico city and uh someone who's passionate about mexican food i i i thought it was was a great example and kind of a front row seat to world class tacos if i'm being honest yeah i i mean as you said you you know you're a frequent uh visitor to mexico city would you say that it's look the quality of what was served at the taco takeover was consistent with what Alex served at Pujol? Uh, certainly. It, I mean, it's a little different, but I mean, the ingredients are not ingredients you find locally as often. I've been beating the drum for uh, Emmanuel's tortillas for a while. They've, they're certainly as good as you will get in Mexico. The space, I think, also the aesthetic, the vibe, checks that box as well. It was certainly a huge team effort to pull that off. And and uh, Emmanuel and Megan and their team, Alex, Paolo from Neo, Nick Wong, Houston Eats, uh, and many others. So to be able to bring that to Houston for two nights, and, and then, of course, Houston showed up. So really exciting. No, absolutely. Well, congratulations to you. Uh, congratulations to the Tatamo team, to Alex. You know, and hopefully we'll have more to say about Alex Bremont uh, pop-ups. You, you know, just as someone who stood in the heat for my tacos, something with reservations would be nice. That's all. I'm just saying. Just throwing that out there. I don't think that's unfair, Daddy. All right. Matt, I'm going to say that does it for our Restaurants of the Week. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I will be right back with Ryan Lashane and Derek Brown. I'm joined this week by the chef owner of Riel Restaurant and the bar manager. Gentlemen, let me introduce you separately so people can hear your voices. Ryan Lashane, welcome back to the show. What's up? Thanks for having me back. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. Derek Brown, welcome. Hi, nice to see you. Thanks for doing this. Derek, I've had Ryan on the show quite a bit, so let me just start with you. What's your kind of background in the in the food world and and how did you how did you first develop an interest in bartending? Um I guess this goes back quite a bit. I was in New York City. I was a finance guy and I spent pretty much all of my disposable net income and time on on the restaurants and the the bar scene there. I was really very much into it and I went down with Lehman Brothers in 2008 and uh all of a sudden found myself with the time to change industries. Um, so I dove into it head first. I got super lucky and ended up working for a lot of really great chefs. Uh, I worked for uh, David Chang, Lomofuku, Danielle Baloud, um, Danny Meyer. I ended up working with uh, a group of guys uh, that ran bars, including like the Dead Rabbit and stuff like that. I um, opened a bar with them called Underdog. Um, 
that's kind of my, that was my New York career. And then I moved down here at the end of 2016 and uh, been in Houston since. So. So what brought you to Houston? Uh, I moved here with an ex. Uh, she was from here and uh, yeah, we moved down and <laughs> that's a common story. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> so, I mean, you've been at, uh, you've been at Riel for a couple of years now. What is the right perspective on cocktails for a chef-driven restaurant with a really uh, eclectic menu that's changing quite a bit? Um, I try to keep things as seasonal as I can here, but I think the biggest thing I, I talk about is balance. Um, I don't want to intimidate people with ingredients that they've never heard of, yet I want it to be interesting and not totally basic. Um, so my approach there is typically seasonal ingredients. I'm big on production when it comes to you know our, doing our own cordials, syrups, tinctures, things like that. And that's sort of what would make a normal drink special. And that's how I, I tend to tackle it. Uh, but balance is really the story of the day because I, you know, I've had a lot of really unique, interesting drinks at a lot of different bars. But uh, the first question I ask is, is this a balanced thing? Do I want more than one? And so I try to make all of our drinks at least more than one. <laughs> that's, that's my approach. Yeah, never a problem for Ryan. No, not at all. Ryan, let me just say, say something nice about Derek. I mean, you, you've had other beverage guys uh, work with you over the course of the restaurant, but, but he stuck around for a bit. I mean, what's it? What's it been like from your perspective? Well, he's got a fucking dynamite beard, number one. So he's got that going for him. Um, <clears throat> you know, like he said, I, I, I like his drinks. He's smart. He, he, um, he approached the same way we approach food is, is having things balanced and, and work out well and, and that kind of stuff. I don't think if drinks are just like, like cooking something else, if there's too much of something and not enough of something else, it just doesn't work. And he's, you know, I don't think he's, he's, given me a, uh, a fucking shitty drink yet. Yeah, there's, there's stuff that I don't drink that I don't care for, but you know, they're, they're, they're tasting. What's an example of something you don't care for. I don't fucking drink scotch. I don't like scotch. I don't, I don't like uh, what mezcal. I'm not a big mezcal guy. I don't like the smoke. Yeah. It's fucking gross. It's an acquired taste. Yeah. That you have yet to acquire. I, I guess at this point, if you haven't acquired it, you're probably not going to. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ryan, just just maybe talk a little more broadly about kind of the state of Riel. I mean, you you know, you turned five earlier this year. You know, we're coming out of the pandemic in a lot of ways, but we're still living with you know the supply chain and the inflation and all that kind of stuff. I mean, what's it been like for you? How, how's it going? It's it's been you know it's been hard for us and for everyone else. Like I'm not going to lie to you, I'm fucking exhausted right now. Um, there's like we have to just like it's literally you just fucking day to day it because there's you know you get shorted on something that you ordered that you needed that you know something else goes like up in price you know dollars a pound when it used to be just, you know a couple cents here and there or you, or you can't get it also you know every day there's there's something new where we're having to deal with and and uh and challenges you have to take on to to you know keep the restaurant moving forward and that kind of stuff but we're still still swinging yeah, and I mean you have a, I mean you have a reliable kind of number two now in in Peter Wynn. I mean, what's it been like uh, working with him? It's great, you know. Like I fucking have to tell him to stop working sometimes. He's always, he's always working. He's always doing something. He's you know always um, putting new things on on the menu. And he you know he's he's that guy that really helped us through this because he's on top of what everything costs and he's not afraid to you know 
look at other people to buy to buy the stuff we need you know to to keep the restaurant going that you know i can't say enough about the guy he's he's fucking on top of things he's he's you know one of the best or the best guys i've worked with in, in that restaurant yeah what what are some of the new things on the menu what are you excited about these days you know we um we did you know I think we did some things during the pandemic and that, that um, to get by, you know, added things on the menu, did dishes and kind of changed the format of, of how real like 1.0 was. Um, and, you know, we just kind of had a, you know, hard look in the mirror and said like, let's get back to what we're doing. So, you know, we streamlined the menu, um, you know, took, took some dishes off. It's not as lengthy any, anymore. Um, you know, and went back to the style of service that we, we started with. Like, you know, it's all, it's all small plates, um, you know, small shareable plates. Um, everything kind of comes out as it comes out. Um, it's feeding of service a little bit and, you know, helping us out. And so we've just kind of, you know, gone back that way. It's, since it's so fucking hot outside, you know, we put like that cold noodle dish on. We're trying to get things a little bit more, you know, cleaner because it's freaking ridiculous out there. Yeah, no, no borscht in July in Houston. Fuck no. Tabasco toast is amazing, though. Tabasco toast is good. We, we, <laughs> it's um, <so> good. <laughs> we're doing some stuff with Tabasco now. Um, I did a dinner on Avery Island. Me and Peter did a dinner about a month ago. Um, so Tabasco is um, sending us their mash, like their, their spent peppers, like the solids. And we, um, we're making bread out of it. So we're making like Tabasco. Well, I'm not making it. Alyssa's making um, like Tabasco brioche. For us. So there's a little, a, a little bit of, um, a little bit of a bite to it on the end. It's not, it's not very spicy. You know, I wouldn't say Derek, it's not spicy, but we, we put like a, a maple crema on it. And then like these, uh, and then just some summer tomatoes and that's it. These two little, two little, like, you know, three, it's amazing. Three <laughs> it makes me really happy. We're like three touches. There's a lot, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, no, that, that, that sounds delicious. And of course you've still got to balance you know, you can't, you can't get away from like the, the caviar tots and the butter burgers and yeah. the pierogies. I mean, you know, you know, those, those are all, all, all staying on like the, you know, the staples are like, we call them like the greatest hits, you know, they're not going anywhere. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some other new stuff that, that we're, we're, uh, you know, Peter and I are working on right now to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, you are kind of in that, that middle age now. I mean, do you, do you find that, like, do you have like a core of regulars? Do you find that people are still kind of discovering you for the first time? Like, you know, it's, it's a little bit of both, you know, we have, there's people that we see weekly, you know, um, fuck. We have a lady that comes in and sits at the bar with Derek. She comes in, how old's Eloise? I think she's 82. She comes in. She's 83 four, now. Yeah. 83, four times a week drinks, drinks, you know, a couple scotches, which I don't agree with, but Hey, I, I don't judge. And, right. Um, and right. Your, your job is to sell it to her, not exactly, to sell her. Exactly. I don't care. You can eat it off the floor. For, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'm not that guy. Um, and yes, you know, there's, we, we have a lot of, Derek's got a lot of regulars at the bar now. I like just come to see him, you know? So it's, it's, it's nice. It, you know, it, you're kind of coming back where, you know, did we lose some people during the pandemic? I don't know. Maybe have we gained some? Yeah. Yeah, Derek, maybe talk about the, the culture of, of building a group of regulars around a bar at a restaurant, because I, I do feel like it's different than a, you know, just a cocktail bar 
It is. They're very, very different animals. Um, you know, cocktail bar, you, you have a captive audience of people that are there for that specific thing versus a restaurant bar where people may be there for you. They may be there for, you know, the ambiance. They may be there for dinner and you happen to be serving them kind of a thing. But, you know, in Houston, I think people really like consistency. You know, I think it's uh, part of the sort of hallmark of a good bar and restaurant is like having a consistent product, having things that are new enough to keep regulars interested and interesting enough to keep new people uh, engaged. Um, but it takes time. I think time's probably the the number one uh, input in the, into the equation. You just got to spend time with people, get to know them. And, um, you know, that the more you collect fun people, the more they like talking to the other people that you've collected and it, you know, and all of a sudden you've got a room full of people that you really enjoy spending time with. And so yeah, it's, it's a fucking party in there sometimes like people that don't even know each other. It's, it's a blast. Yeah. So there's like a, it's like a Thursday night group that just like all comes to hang out with each other. Yeah. You know, that's fun. Pretty much early in the week too. Mondays and Tuesdays are great. You know, we have a nice, nice crowd. It's kind of like what you wouldn't think that, but even more than like sometimes Friday or Saturday, like during the earlier in the week, because they have time to hang out with each other and us and we have time to talk to them. And um, a lot of industry people just collect and all of a sudden you've got 10 people that all know each other and they're like, how, how are you here? Why are you here? Like, you know, it's just, it's great. It's a good time. Oh yeah. No, I, I feel that way. Every time I walk into Riel, there's always some restaurant industry type, you know, a sommelier here, a, a cook there or whatever. Uh, that's got to be kind of a nice compliment, right? That that's where people want to spend their, their nights. It is. And I, you know, like operators that I learned from in New York, some, some really important mentors in my past, they had like this concept of, you know, there being places in life, right? You have your home, you have work and you, you, everybody needs another place for a lot of people. It's church for us. It's, it's the restaurant, it's this place. And I think, you know, we aim to be that place for everybody and it, it seems to work. (laughs) which is great. Yeah. Ryan, I mean, how do you, what are you thinking about for the future? I mean, do you, like you said, you've kind of gotten back to kind of the core of what uh, Riel was about in the beginning. Like how would you like to grow over the next six months as you get to the next year mark? I don't know. Like we're going to really put our head down and and focus on, on Riel right now. Like there's always, you know, once a week, someone hits me up with the opportunity to maybe go do something or to look at a spot or, or, or this and that. And, you know, Derek and I have looked at a lot of them, you know, or a couple, you know, not a couple here and there, but, um, you know, like, I don't think anyone's out of the pandemic yet. You know, there's still some stuff that, that everyone's looking at and, and, and that, but, you know, I'm, I'm open to anything. Are you still doing that hotel thing? No, I'm done. My contract was up. Okay. Would you would you want to do something like that again? Yes, 100 percent. Um, I learned you know I learned a lot. It was it was it was a fucked up thing because um, like we were literally supposed to open in Nashville, like, and the pandemic like hit at the exact same time, like full force. So you know the first couple of years I was there, there's it was empty. There's nothing to do. You know, and then there's there was a bunch of turnover and, and a bunch of other stuff. Like, you know, I think we went through, you know, a, a bunch of F&B directors there. Um, and there's a lot more, you know, like red tape and, and things. Like, I just do whatever the fuck I want at Real. There I have to, you know, 
go through these certain channels to do this or if i want to buy this we have to you know there's this giant fucking um like program where all your your shit's in and it, it was it was it was a learning experience you know some of it good some of it bad i wish i would have had more of an opportunity there to, to do my thing um you know but you know that being said i you know, we can't control what, what's going on you know it, it was good i like it nashville's a fucking fun town like that could have been a lot worse yeah uh i mean you, you mentioned you checking out spaces i mean do you have a thought for what the next project might be i mean obviously you you did the Louis ghost kitchen thing with the sandwiches, people who know you, you know, I, I know you're closely affiliated with hot dogs. I don't know if, you know, if a more casual concept appeals to you or something more upscale or kind of where your where your head's at. To me, it always depends on the, on the space. I think the space has to fit, you know, or the concept has to fit the space. Like, you know, I could say I want to do whatever uh, a Louis in this, but if I can't find the proper space for it, it doesn't feel right. Then it's I'm not I'm not going to do it. You know, like I don't think you could slap Real anywhere else. And it, it yeah, Real feels like a one-off, right? Like yeah. you're not going to do another one. No, 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 not you know, not unless unless fucking price is right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do fucking anything, but um, but yeah, you know, there's two or three things that that. I'd, I would like to do, you know, so if anyone out there is looking, <laughs> let me know. Right. Hey, Derek, let me ask you about something else. I know you, you do the Thursday night service at blood brothers. Yeah. What's that like? And kind of, how is it different than what you're doing at real? It's so different in every way compared to almost every other uh, beverage program slash restaurant I've ever even tackled. Uh, they approached me in the middle of the pandemic they were they were like hey man like we don't have much going on you want to do like a party on thursdays and i was like absolutely um and we started it up and i have four frozen uh, machines and two draft cocktails out there so i front load all the work i don't actually shake drinks uh in a la minute very often there uh so i've kind of put together like six options of cocktails for people and i think most people going to a barbecue place don't really expect to have a good drink uh, at least I've experienced that many times. And uh, it's kind of fun because people just, ex- they come in and they're like, this is amazing. This is actually good. I'm like, great. <laughs> and they have a good time. And it's just, it's very laid back. And it's just a completely different style of service that I'm used to. I'm, much more, more, I'm used to a much more formal setting. So it's really fun to, you know, put on a backwards hat and, you know, mess around for a couple hours. We have a great time out there. Yeah, what do you what do you pair with the chicken fried steak or a you know a <laughs> yeah, pork belly exactly. bow or any of that stuff? Exactly. So I mean, again, I go for balance. Um, I have carte blanche to do whatever I want with uh, those frozen machines and the draft cocktails there. And I mean, you're really getting like world class drinks in a in a frozen format or in a draft cocktail. I tend to pair a lot of herbal things with fruit, fresh fruit. I make all of my cordials and syrups and everything from scratch. So. Um, you know, if I'm using watermelon, I'm actually using watermelon, you know, et cetera. But um, yeah, in the summer, I keep it light and breezy. In the winter, I get heavier on the spices and more on the, the brown spirits. But yeah, it's fun. Brian, let me let me shift gears with you just a little bit. I know you're uh, you're doing an upcoming pop up with uh, Brandon Silva. Yeah. How did how did that come together? What are you what are you planning? Um, Brandon's been we he's been talking to me about this for maybe about six months or so. Um, and I think, you know, he just, he just recently found, uh, you know, 
a great spot to do it. And I haven't, I haven't seen the, the location yet. I've seen pictures. It looks fucking beautiful. Um, you know, that's kind of, that's Brandon's style, right? He likes doing that kind of those pop, those high end pop-ups and that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, he's in, he's in the restaurant hanging out all the fucking time. So, you know, we chatted about it and he asked me what I want to do. It. And I, was, I haven't done anything like that in a, in a while. Um, you know, doing stuff like that kind of fine dining ish high end thing. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Really. It's like, like we have, we, you know, sort of, you know, Brandon gets fucking excited about these things and just throwing around ideas and that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it sounds like, I, I mean, I, I don't quite understand the, the Greek, you know, ethos logos whatever uh aspect of it but i guess that's why you uh i guess that's why you you go and you pay the money and you eat the food yeah we'll see <laughs> i don't know do you know what you're cooking you we have some out? ideas about some stuff we just you know throw it around and price it out and that, that kind of thing but you know we're gonna come in hot well is there anything i haven't asked you about that you want to talk about i don't think so what about you Dirk? good so this is 250 yeah this is up but yeah i i i decided not to make a big deal about it because like i made kind of a fuss for uh for five years a couple months ago but yes this is episode 250 holy fuck man that's a lot of people to talk to about food i know and you've been on i don't know six seven i don't know however many times yeah five times maybe something like that something like that certainly certainly the most frequent guest yeah yeah what do you want to do with this? With the show or with my yeah, life? With the show. <laughs> oh, good. Because I have no idea what I want to do with my life. Neither do I, buddy. Uh, I, I think the show's going pretty well. You know, I, I think I've had a strong group of guests recently. I think I'm better at talking to people now than when I, I started five years ago. People seem to be engaged with it. So I think we'll keep it going for as long as as long as there's interest, as long as I have the support of my employer and and interest from people on participating then yeah i think we're gonna you know i've 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 ramped down a little bit the last uh, month or so but i'm i'm feeling engaged i'm excited and and i'll start uh i'll start booking guests for august and we'll we'll you know on to bigger and better things who's coming on i have no idea i'm, I'm open to a good suggestion so do you do you write these questions out or do you just fucking wing it uh, a little of both I, I have like an outline and I, I use that as kind of the basis for the conversation. And then I, you know, it's, it's an old fashioned thing that I do. I listen to what you say and then I see if that inspires me to ask you something about what you're saying. Okay. Fair enough. Maybe me and Derek should have a podcast. Maybe you should. You'd probably be more entertaining than this one. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, we're not we have a couple stories. <laughs> yeah. And some of the shit I can't say on here. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, uh, Ryan, give us the, the website for Riel. Um, what is it? Uh, www.realhtx.com. All right. Derek, you have anything you want to plug? You want people to follow you on Instagram? No, we're not doing that. All right. Very good. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks for having us. See you later. Come and see us soon. I will. Absolutely. All right, guys. I'll see you later. Thank you. Get to work, Derek. Yeah. Done. Bye. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.